Church planting is the inevitable result of effective disciple making. Make some disciples, make a group of disciples, you're going to then have a church come together. So what's a church? Uh, do we have bleed over slides as well? Um, Stanley Grins says we have the church, I think this might be on the next slide, the church mystical, the church global, and the church local. So the church mystical, we have every believer who's ever lived, right? You have a great cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 12. Uh, all of you are in there, right? All of us, Martin Luther and Abraham and David, all these people. Okay. Here's the, the church mystical, and then the church global, every believer who's alive on the planet right now. That's when we talk about the church. And then you have the church local, the local expressions of the body of Christ. So, this circle right here, we're going to call this the church global. This is a big global church, and pretend it's a circle. But it is a, this, is, this is the church global. And within the global church, you have a bunch of local churches. And they're different sizes. Right? And they're in different places and all this. And within all these churches, you have a lot of Christians. A lot of believers are all over these churches. And then outside, any non-believer is outside of the church. They're out here. In Japan, there's like a lot of them. There's a ton of believers, that, uh, non-believers. They're all out here, right? Right? Okay. So then when we say, hey, we want to go to Japan and we want to we want to make disciples by proclaiming the gospel and then gathering them into churches. We want to plant churches. Disciple making through church planting. What we mean by that is then saying we're going to establish a new local congregation and the way that we want this to grow is through someone who's currently outside of the body of Christ, doesn't believe, they come in, they enter the kingdom of God and the lo- global church, and at the same time into our little local church as well. That's how we want to plant a church and do church planting. We want to see people who are far from God, reconciled to God, brought into the body of Christ. Now, obviously we're going to have some other things happen. Like there's going to be a believer who doesn't have a church. And then they're going to then join a church. And that's a good thing because every Christian should be a part of a local church. You're going to have some people who say, I really just don't agree with this church for this reason or whatever. I'm coming here. I moved from Tokyo. I'm coming to Osaka. I'm joining this church. Growth by transfer. Also, a good thing Some of the time, most of the time. Um, It happens, let's just say it happens. But the real way that we want to plant a church and grow a new church plant is we want to grow by evangelism. People coming into the kingdom of God and the church global and at the same time coming into our local church. That's the kind of church planting that moved me across the world. That's what I get really excited about doing. But what I want to ask is, what is a local church? So let's just run a scenario. We just said that it's a gathering, right? It's a gathering of believers. Let's say that, what's, what's, what's the donut shop here? Is it Hertz Donuts? Where do you gather for your donuts? Should I say Hertz? Dudes? I don't know. I say Krispy Kreme in Osaka because that's we have Krispy Kreme, which is a good thing. Um, but So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll not contextualize. There's two Christians. 
who start meeting at Krispy Kreme, right? They start meeting at Krispy Kreme every Thursday at 8 a.m. to study the Bible. Okay? So you have two believers gathered around the Word at Krispy Kreme every week. Is that a local church? It's a gathering of believers. Is it a local church? Who says yes? Without being afraid of what your professors are doing. Okay, who says no, not a local church? Look at how many people are abstaining from this vote. Uh, okay. <laughs> the smart ones. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's not a local church. Because if I say a new church has been planted, two people started meeting at Krispy Kreme, we planted a church, everyone says, no, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't feel right. What would you say has to change about that gathering before you'd call it a local church? Go ahead and yell, pretend like you're as loud as Corey. (laughs) Or if you are, in fact, the real Corey. What needs to happen? Leadership. Leadership, says someone. Leadership. Worship and communion. Worship and communion. Communion, that's like a sacrament. I think we have two. What's the other one? Baptism. Okay, so now we've got some leadership, we've got some, we've got some baptism, we've got some communion, and we're worshiping. It's starting to have the marks, the characteristics of a local church. All right, here it is. You now have 90 seconds. Turn to the person next to you, make a list. How many characteristics of a local church can you scribble out in 90 seconds? Ready, go. All right, after diligently watching the clock, I've decided that's 90 seconds. Um, What elements need to be present in a gathering in order for it to be a healthy local church? We got four. Give me another one. Evangelism, says someone who was here last hour. Yay! I heard another one. Discipleship. I'm going to abbreviate. What else? Good coffee. That's good. Bible. Like Bibles sitting around? Or are we doing something with a Bible? Bible teaching. Because I heard, I heard this church got together in Acts 2, and they were really serious about the apostles' teaching. And we happen to have it all collected together in this book. So teaching the Bible, Bible teaching, that's good. What else do people do that rhymes with teaching? Preaching. Okay. <laughs> Elders, we got leadership right there. Prayer, yep. A budget. Okay, I commend to you. <laughs> I commend to you uh, the book Nine Marks of a Healthy Church by Mark Dever, um, and he he lists nine marks, and he's very careful to say these are not the nine marks. These are nine marks of a healthy church: preaching, theology, good theology. That's pretty important because if you don't have good theology, then you could very well be like, you know, a cult or something. So it has to be good Christian theology, gospel, conversion, evangelism, leadership, elders, someone said, um, discipleship he has on there. Now, if you read the New Testament, you're going to run into this other idea over and over again, in a lot of epistles, by multiple writers, you're going to have the concept of church discipline. 
the very popular idea of church discipline. But if you want it to look like a New Testament church, there's going to be discipline saying, you don't actually have faith in Jesus. We can see that by the way that you're living. So we're saying you're actually out. If you're saying someone is out, you're also implying that others are in. That sounds like membership. Membership and discipline are also on his list. Very trendy words these days, but I'm old school, so I like them. Membership, discipline, I would add some things you guys already said. Worship, Lord's Supper, baptism, repentance. I'm just going to throw repentance on there. I think a church should regularly be doing that. So maybe it's helpful if we see this expressed in the Bible. Acts chapter 14. Go there. Paul's gone around preaching. Then verse 21 says, And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Verse 21, preach the gospel. First phase of church planting, preach the gospel. Evangelism. Verse 22, second phase of church planting. Strengthening and encouraging the disciples in the faith. Gathering them, strengthening them, congregating them, pulling them together, building them up, discipling, right? Verse 23, third phase, appointing elders, leadership and development. Titus chapter 1, appoint elders in every town. He he leaves the the Philippian church, seemed like he left it in a very young state, and then when he writes to them, to the elders in Philippi, elders came about somehow. This seems to be a pretty important deal. For it to be a local church, we need to have eldership. We've got to have all these things pulled together before we could say, this is a local church. Uh, the two people meeting at Krispy Kreme are both two members of the global church. They are not a healthy expression of the local church yet. And as we say we are going, to, uh, going around planting churches, we are trying to build up these local congregations uh, to where they then look like healthy local expressions of the body of Christ. So I got a little, <laughs> this, is, this is fun, I have not planted any churches. I am currently planting a church. This is the thing you don't say in a newsletter. I'm, I've not planted any churches. I've been a part of several church plants. None of them are done yet. I have not appointed elders at the church in Osaka. We hope to do that this year. But they're all in process. They're mid-Acts 14, 21 through 23. It takes a long time. So I'm in the middle of that. And, and if you're going into this, you have to be dedicated to the full process, not just getting a crowd together and then walking away. And it has to be strengthened disciples, taught the gospel to where if you disappear, there's elders that will hold that congregation together and keep it solid and rooted uh, in the gospel. Uh, I think we have a great example of this thing happen with the Antioch church. I'm not going to read all these passages, but Acts 8, you got these normal dudes, names lost to history. They're scattered, not the apostles, right? They're scattered. Chapter 11, they go about preaching the gospel, and then a church plant happens in Antioch. What happens at the end of chapter 11? 
that church plant that was rooted in the gospel and planted by the gospel then grows up and then does social justice. They send relief to Jerusalem. So uh, Tim Keller is going to call this gospel roots and gospel fruits. First you plant the gospel and it digs down roots and then as that, as that church grows up it's going to bear gospel fruit of social justice and care and renewal and all of these wonderful things. And then chapter 13, that same Antioch church sent out Paul to multiply churches, churches planting churches. So our story in Japan is one of proclaiming the gospel, making disciples and planting churches. Um, and there's often times where <laughs> I was very cowardly. I don't know if you have this understanding of missionaries that they're like always full of faith and just charging out there and uh, really brave and certain of everything that's going to happen. That's just not the story. It's, it's, it's not real history. Uh, and there's times that I was also very ignorant. So somebody says, oh, you've had a little bit of success. You must have really figured it out. Well, there's a lot of times where I didn't have it figured out and God was just very merciful. So the title of the book that I will never write is God's Mercy on Cowardly Idiots, my church planting story. Um, Because that's just how God has done it. He has been good to us in times where my faith is faltering. God then does something amazing to remind me that he actually cares more about this mission than I do. I thought I was all in. He's like, I care more about this than you. You think this is your thing? (laughs) So we moved to Japan In 2008, February 1st, we left, we arrived on February 2nd, Groundhog's Day, doesn't matter, but it was, Uh, we we arrived and we then started 18 months of learning Japanese, uh, full-time language school. And, uh, you know, Mike, Mike was talking yesterday to everybody at three o'clock. That's really not fun at all. Oh my goodness. You go in and, uh, you go from being competent in your context to a new context where you're not competent at all. You feel very silly every day and your full-time job is doing something that you're bad at. It's just a, it's just a hard time of life. In the middle of that, uh, my wife had a complicated pregnancy. Uh, she had to be put on bed rest. She had to drop out of language school. I had to switch from, from full-time to 10 hours of tutoring a week, which actually was really, really good for me. I learned Japanese better, but it was just a really hard season. We had to have a couple teammates leave the field. Things were rough. I was also in a perpetual cycle of failing the Japanese driver's test. Um, fifth time's a charm. Um, and so when your wife is on bed rest and you can't drive, <laughs> there's not a whole lot you can do. Um, and so I, I mean, I was down there was a season of time where I tell people I wanted to quit every day. I wanted to quit every day. Um, and it was just, you know, okay, God, I think you want me to do this. I'm going to do this. Um, and, and God would be good that day and the next day. Okay, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do this because I think you want me to do this. It was in that season where I'm thinking, you know what I really want to do? Why? The whole reason I'm in Japan is because I want to share the gospel with people. I want to make disciples. I want an opportunity to share the gospel. I can't because I'm really bad at this Japanese language thing. It's driving me crazy. And so then my, um, my in-laws, my wife Caitlin's parents, fly in, um, and they decide to come visit us for Christmas. They booked a uh, flight to Tokyo. Now, uh, 
Here's the map of Japan. It's my arm. Okay, here's Tokyo. Here's Nagoya. They're not the same. We lived in Nagoya at this time. It's, it's a two and a half hour or two hour ride on the bullet train. It's a long way away. So I'm like, okay, I got to go pick you guys up. Caitlin can't come. Remember, she's on bed rest. And I've got to go do this on Christmas Day. I'm like, yeah, man, this is not fun. Okay, I got to go ride the train by myself to Tokyo. And so on Christmas Eve, uh, just being very, just being down, I just prayed to God and I said, God, I want you to give me a Christmas present. I want you to give me someone on the train on the way to Tokyo tomorrow. Someone I can share the gospel with in English, please, amen. I went to bed. I woke up the next day. I went to the train platform and I'm standing on the platform waiting for the train to show up and I get a tap on my shoulder. I turn around, it's a Japanese woman and she says, excuse me, are you an English teacher? In perfect English like that. And I said, well, uh, actually, no, I'm a Japanese student. Um, And she says, oh, you're studying Japanese. Um, Would you like to practice on the train? I know it's really hard to practice because I lived in Chicago before I taught at the University of Chicago. And even when I was there or surrounded by English speakers, I know how hard it can be to find someone to practice with. I'm giving you a hint about what you should do with the international students in Missouri Southern right now. Okay, so it's really hard to find someone to practice with. Well, uh, would you like to sit on the train on the way to Tokyo next to me and we can practice, you can practice Japanese with me? I said, sure. So I went and sat down next to her and then the train starts and we're... And we're going, and where do you think the conversation is going to go? Why are you in Japan? I was almost embarrassed to tell her because I just felt so inept. Uh, Well, I'm actually a pastor. (laughs) I'm hoping to plant a church (laughs) someday. Like, I felt like that that seems like that'll never happen. Um, But that's what I hope to do. Um, And she said, oh, that's interesting, like a Christian pastor. I said, yeah, a Christian pastor. And she said, you know, I've never actually heard um, the main beliefs of Christianity. Um, would you mind sharing them with me in English? I'll then teach you how to say it in Japanese. Then you'll be able to tell it to other people. <laughs> I say, uh, yeah, let's do that. And so then we have this talk on the train. And uh, I'd love to tell you then, you know, the end of the story was we arrived in Tokyo and I baptized her in a public fountain or something, but that's not how it went. Actually, she had a lot of pushback. She was like, you know, what would be really good is if you could be a Buddhist and a Christian at the same time. You'd have a lot of traction then. It's like, yeah, we kind of believe, we'd like see it as like a, almost like a marriage relationship. It's like, well, she said, well, you want to be monogamous. Yes, you understand. And that's really kind of where we left it. We didn't get any further, but Here's the point. I said, God, I want to share your message. So, okay, I'll do that. Why, why are you doubting that I'll give you an opportunity? Of course I'll give you an opportunity to go and be an ambassador and proclaim the gospel to people who have never heard. So after those 18 months of language and, and, and learning culture, uh, we are trying to share the gospel over that year and a half. But if we're very honest about how many people were actually gospeled, actually evangelized if i'm being generous six i don't you know one-on-one meetings and conversations with people maybe six people heard a message to which they can respond so then we say you know i think we're going to be able to share the gospel with more people if we just like get together a church gathering 
Okay, where are we going to have this gathering? Because we're foreigners, we don't have a lot of clout with people, we don't have a ton of money. Um, you say, hey, I want to do a religious, a religious gathering with loud music and a bunch of foreigners. Um, can I borrow your space? No one's excited about that in Japan. And so... Uh, w- we just we just kind of relocated for the church plant in in the city of Nagoya. It's a city of nine million people, and um, I just moved into our house and I took a walk one night. My I, I moved back to Japan a few weeks earlier than my my wife and one child at that time. So just me, you know, looking for a hamburger. I'm walking down the street and I find a place that sells a hamburger, um, and so I go in and it's this sports bar called Strikers, and I find out it's owned by two Indian Muslims. Okay, and I start talking with these guys over my hamburger and uh, they tell me about their party room on the second floor. Tell me more about this party room. How many people can fit in this party room? He says, I'll show it to you right now. We go up. There's a projector. There's a screen. There's speakers. There's chairs like, aha, we could we we could do some gospel proclamation in here. And so we ask him, can we borrow this space every Sunday? He says, sure, you just got to clean it up from the night before, which was a task. So understand now, we're rent- these are Indian Muslim guys, okay? They sell a nice pepperoni pizza at their bar with a lot of alcohol, and they rent it out to a Christian church plant. So these guys are like the worst Muslims ever. And, they, <laughs> and they're giving this, this space to us. Uh, and we rented it out for eight months and just did church there, you know, met regularly. And, um, you know, the first Sunday we had 43 people, including all the missionaries, right? So I think it was like 27 Japanese people. And then the next week we had, you know, uh, around, uh, I don't know, tw- t- like 29 or something, including missionaries. And the next week we had 17 people. I'm like, this is a bad trend. This is not how it's supposed to go. That was the lowest it ever got. And then it started climbing from there. That happens. Um, and then on the fourth week, this woman showed up for the first time, or maybe the, uh, maybe the second time, I can't remember. But, you know, she started talking with my wife a lot. My wife's pretty good with making friends. Um, and so this woman was working at a beauty salon, and she was um, learning how to give eyelash extensions, gluing eyelashes one at a time onto someone's eyelashes. And she said, I need to practice. Can I practice on you? And my wife said, sure. So she goes and sits there and has this lady glue eyelashes on her for an hour and a half and has a conversation about Jesus with her while this is happening. Um, The woman came back to church on the fifth Sunday where we were meeting. And after the service, she says, I want to be baptized and become a Christian. And I'm like, oh, goodness gracious, that wasn't supposed to happen this fast. Everyone told us this is going to take years and years and years and years. Really? Uh, okay, let me start asking you some questions. And she's believing. She believes everything. And we're going through it. And so I'm like, oh, man, I need to figure out how to say I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A good thing I have this bilingual Bible here. What's Matthew 28 say? Okay, so I'm figuring out how to say that in Japanese. And this woman is ready to believe. And she was baptized on the fifth Sunday uh, of church. And during that first year of the church plant where we're gathering, 230 people came at least one time. Over 18 months, six people heard the gospel. Next 12 months, 230 people heard the gospel. Seven people were baptized. Uh Aha! Share the gospel with more people. Scatter more seed. Some of it's going to fall on good soil and you're going to see fruit. We can figure this out. So then uh, we then get ready to go and our team was getting larger 
And we had enough people to split the teams and then send some of us to Osaka. Uh, metro area, 19 million people. This is, you know, it felt like a really big move uh, for us at the time. And we, we moved to Osaka, 2011. And uh, it was just uh, me, uh, my wife, our, our two kids. Um, and then we're, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to build our team a little bit. And then uh, we just say, we, do, we just got to go. We got to launch now. And Seth and Megan Phillip were also with us. And we said, with the four of us, we can do this. This will be fine. Uh, so let's go to this city where we don't know anyone and let's start a church in three months from now. That was the plan. We moved in September. We thought Christmas will launch this new church. So one day I'm talking with my mom. There's my mom, everybody. Um, on Skype on August 8th, okay? Um, and I promise this story is going somewhere. You're like, why are you talking about talking to your mom on Skype? So I'm talking to her on Skype on August 8th, and she asks the question, how are you going to go and start a church in a city where you don't know anyone and don't know anything? Great question, Mom. Well, what I'd really like to do is this, 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 and this. Maybe I'll try this. Maybe I'll try this. But I think what would be really cool is if we could do some kind of big outreach event and then funnel everyone into the church plan after that. The guy who would be perfect for this is this baseball player named Matt Merton, Isaac Shade's high school friend. Matt Merton, uh, go Chicago Cubs or whoever. Uh, so he played for the Cubs. He, he, he was in the Boston Red Sox organization, I think for the A's, the Rockies. And then he goes over to Japan. In his first year in Japan, he broke Ichiro's single season hitting record. And he's playing for the Osaka team and they loved Matt Merton in Osaka. I see on YouTube that he's doing this commercial for the Franklin Graham Crusade. This guy's a Christian. And he's like the biggest athlete in the country right now. We got to get this guy. He would be perfect. Got a couple problems. I don't know how to contact him. He does stuff for Franklin Graham. That's like 8,000 people. I got a church of zero. This isn't going to happen even if I could contact him. So I explain all this to my mom. My mom then says, well... I'm going to pray that you meet him. Thanks, mom. My number one fan, mom. Great. Cool. Um, I hung up the phone. I honestly didn't think much else about it. That was in the morning of August 8th. In the evening of August 8th in Nagoya, we then decided to go out to dinner as a family. We got to the restaurant. We walked in. They took us to our table. We sit down. And we sit down and we look across the aisle. And there is Matt Merton and his family. Having dinner right there. So my wife and I are immediately, is that, I think that's him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like Googling pictures to find out if that's actually him. And I'm like, oh yeah, you see those arms? That's a professional athlete. Um, and so I think, well, this is like, you know, less than 12 hour turnaround on a prayer request. I got to go talk to him, obviously. So um, I kind of wait for him to, I, I can tell he's finishing his meal and I walk up to him and I, I say, hi, are you Matt Merton? And he says, yeah. I said, well, I heard you're a Christian. And he said, yeah. He kind of seemed interested. I said, well, this is going to sound really weird. Um, but this morning, uh, someone prayed that I would meet you. <laughs> and he kind of looked at his wife like, oh, dear. And I said, relax. Um, I'm a pastor. We planted a church here in Nagoya. Um, I'm moving to Osaka next month. We weren't in his city. He was on a road game. I'm moving to Osaka next month to start a church there 
if you're open to it, I would love to do something together to impact the city for Jesus. And he said, well, uh, what's your email? I told him my email. He said, great, now you got mine. He said, this is great. Thank you so much for coming up to the table. He said, because lately it's just been baseball, 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 baseball. And I'm like, God, don't you have me here for some bigger reason? And he said, from, from, since yesterday, my wife and I were praying for an opportunity to impact Japan for Jesus. And you're the answer to that prayer. No, you're the answer to my prayer. So he's, so we have this conversation there and, and he left and he, and later, um, when we talked again, he said, I left the restaurant and I just cried. He said, because I couldn't believe God would do that. And he, and I said, that's great because when you left the restaurant, we just cried. Because, um, and honestly, it, it, it humbled me because I, once again, I didn't actually anticipate God to do that. And God's vision for church planting in Japan is bigger than mine. You think you care about this? God's saying, I care about it more. You want to meet a baseball player? Sure, I'm meet a baseball player. That's easy for me. Of course I'll let you do this. When we say, God, I want to take your word to people who have never heard, God is ready to get behind it. And he's ready to do big things. He's ready to move things. So our goal for that first year of the Osaka church plant, we said, during the first year, let's set a big goal. We want to share the gospel with 500 people. Well, we do this event before the first Sunday uh, with Matt Merton, and 300 people came. So we were able to share the gospel with 300 people and invite them to the, to the church plant. We're like, oh, we're off to a pretty good start. And then later on during that year, uh, this, this woman started coming to our church, um, and she said, I work at a Christian school. It's actually, actually an Anglican school. It's called Pool, Pool, South Osaka. And uh, she says, uh, we're looking for people to come speak at our chapel. It meets uh, six days a week. <laughs> Your sermon needs to be about eight minutes. Uh, how about coming and doing an interview with the chaplain, and he'll tell you if you're allowed to speak there. So... I go and I meet the chaplain and afterwards he says, yeah, we'd love to have you come speak. Um, and he said, uh, because it's a Christian school, we do have a few Christians here. There's uh, 1,300 students, uh, 900 high schoolers, 400 junior hires, and he said about 32 Christians. Okay, so if you do the math real quick, that is actually a higher percentage than the rest of Japan. And you get to go preach to them plus uh, the 100 plus faculty that'll be there. I should mention all 1,300 of them are girls. So I have this experience where I'm sitting in this huge chair at this Anglican school on the stage while they're doing the, the, the organ music to welcome everyone into the traditional chapel. And I'm looking out. And this is just the high school first. I did the junior high separately, but it was, it was you know, a thousand people with students and, and teachers. I'm looking out at a thousand people who speak Japanese better than me. <laughs> and I'm going to be the one talking, right? And, and here I have the opportunity to go up and, and share and talk and speak from John 3.16. And so, okay, we now start to total it up. Well, there was another 1,300 plus people. All told, we shared the gospel with almost 2,000 people during the first year of the Osaka church plant. We thought 500 was a pretty big ask <laughs> to give to God. 
I'm like, sure, I'll do that. You want that? You can do that. Easy. During the first year of the Osaka church plant, we had eight baptisms. Eight people came to faith. And as that church continued to grow, uh, we became more and more convinced that not only did we need to multiply the times we were sharing the message, but we needed to multiply the messengers. And so Seth Phillip, who was there planting that church uh, with me, we talked and we said, we, we've, we've done a lot of evangelistic conversations with Japanese people who have zero exposure to Christianity, and we're getting kind of good at it. We should put this together in some kind of uh, course or system or something, Right. And, and so we developed uh, a little five-week course called First Steps. If you go to our website, mustardseedosaka.com, click on Teaching, click on, click on First Steps, the entire thing is bilingual. Um, and we made it that way so that people would want to, you know, they can feel like they're studying English and Japanese at the same time. We can also give it to expats uh, or uh, missionaries who haven't polished their Japanese yet, and they can use it to share the gospel. Because even if you can't say... Uh, you know, for God so loved the world in Japanese, you can say, read this in Japanese. You can do that. Um, and so we created this little five-week course called First Steps. We put it online for the purpose of saying to all of our, our church people, look, now you can go and take this and do this with your friends. You can share the gospel with others. And um, we, we made the entire thing smartphone ready and tablet ready and download ready for printing. And, and then when we trained people in sharing this and said, okay, it's time for you to go and share. And it was beautiful to see the church respond and they actually started to share. Uh, they, they started telling other people. And because it's a new church, we get to set the culture. <laughs> we get to decide what's normal there. So one of the things you'll notice if you go to any of our churches in Japan is that after the service ends, people hang out for like another two hours fellowshipping because no one ever taught them that once the service is over you run to golden corral and so they they just think it's normal um and then we're also saying oh the other really normal thing to do if you become a christian is just to share your faith with everyone like oh that's normal yeah you should just do that like okay cool um and so one of the one of the fun examples of a guy uh who was was brought to faith at our church is a guy named Yuki Yoshida. Okay? Yuki Yoshida is a guy who was invited to our church by one of our church members. Um, and, he, and he started coming and he heard the gospel. Um, and he came to believe. He went through all five lessons of the first steps. Just boom, 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 boom. We didn't have like a baptism guide because there's a lot to cover with someone who's coming from a, just, just a pre-Christian society, you can't assume anything. We have direct questions like, do you repent of all other false gods and idol worship and prayer to ancestors? We have to ask that. Um, and so we're trying to check these things off, and he says, yes, I believe. And Yuki Yoshida is, is a guy who is legally blind and legally deaf. And he comes to believe, and he wants to be baptized. Awesome, cool. So we get him... Uh, in the baptistry, and the whole thing was worked out. He said, I want to make the profession, and I want to hear people ask me the questions, and I want to hear them say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and Son, Son, and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right? And so he's in the baptistry, and, the, and, and, and we say, baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then a volunteer runs up, and he pops out these big hearing aids that he has, and he hands them to the volunteer, and the volunteer runs away. We then 
dunk him, raise him back up. A volunteer runs up with a towel. He dries off his ears. They pop him in and hand the hearing aids back and he pops him back in and comes back to this world of sound with everyone singing, oh, happy day. It was a beautiful celebration. Beautiful. Because here's a guy who had no hope of ever seeing or hearing. And now because he heard the gospel, he will have perfect eyes and perfect ears in the new heavens and new earth. Right? And it is a beautiful story. But even cooler than that was the guy who walked him through first steps was a guy named Ryota. And Ryota um, was a pretty new Christian himself. And so when we said, I think it's time for you to take him through first steps and teach him the gospel, he's like, no way, can't do that. Uh-uh. And like, we'll teach you. We'll, we'll do it with you. And so the first session, he, he, he had someone with him. And then the second, by the second session, Ryoto was like, I got this. I'm good. Okay, cool. And so Ryoto was the one who actually gospeled Yuki Yoshida. Pretty cool. However, the guy who brought Ryota to faith and baptized him was a guy named Yuki Hamasaki. Same name as the other Yuki. Different last name. Yuki Hamasaki is the one who discipled Ryota. Yuki Hamasaki... That was the missionaries who actually reached him. So you have missionaries come and reach Yuki Hamasaki, then Ryota, and then Yuki Yoshida. What we call this is a third generation conversion. And we've actually had three of those at, at the Osaka church and we're praying for a whole lot more. Yuki Hamasaki is a, 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 a very fruitful evangelist. I think he's been instrumental in bringing six or seven people to Christ now. Um, he's in a lot of baptism pictures next to the baptistry celebrating with people. And he loves telling people about Jesus. And he loves arguing uh, for the existence of God. Uh, he's a professional drummer and a great guy, a good friend of Chris DeWelt's. Um, so what we started to see was disciples making disciples. So you multiply, you multiply that gospel proclamation... You have more of that going. Then the more people hear the gospel, you have more disciples. Make more disciples. Some of them are going to have the gift of leadership. Then you develop those leaders and you train leaders. And then when you have leaders, you know what you do with them? You plant another church. Plant another church that shares the gospel and it's going to make some disciples that are then going to, sometimes, some of them turn into leaders and they're going to plant more churches. And around and around the cycle goes. So one of the things that we did this past year it was from our Osaka church um, in 2016, December 2016. We sent a team uh, of 15 people from our church in Osaka to the city of Kobe. Um, if you want to remember Osaka, Kobe, and Kyoto, it's good to just remember Mickey Mouse. Okay? There's Osaka. It's real big. Here's Kobe. Here's Kyoto. They're the Mickey Mouse ears. Okay? 1.5 million, 1.5 million, 3 million. And so we had this team that we sent to Kobe to plant a new church in the city of Kobe. Now, at the time that we sent 15 people to Kobe, this church in Osaka was running 105 people. When you then send 15, you feel it. Okay? So you guys understand how this works. 105 minus 15 equals 140. This is kingdom math. (laughs) 
immediately, like clockwork, our first Sunday without them, we had 90 people in Osaka. And they had 50. They, their church did the same trend. Start big, it's a little smaller. Ours immediately grew back. We averaged out to about you know 110 and then 30. 140 people. So wait, before we sent you guys out to plant, there's 105 people gathering in this area, and now there's 140 almost immediately. This past December, a year later, uh, so, so 2017, we sent another team to the city of Kyoto. Same thing happened at this point. We're running about 120. We sent 12 people. 120 minus 12 equals 150. Just immediately, there was automatic increase because you had another group of people gathering together, sharing the gospel, worshiping. And so now in this area, we have, about, we have about 110 here, we have about 40 a week here, and we have about 30 a week here. We're, we're very close to just having 200 all the time in this area. By, by the end of the, and then over in Nagoya, that church is about eight years old now. It's over eight years old. They have about 170 a week. And they sent one of their uh, staff guys over to help plant this church in Kyoto as well. So the vision is to have churches planting churches and disciples making disciples. You know what the biggest need is for us to plant more churches? Japan's really expensive, but it's not money. The biggest need is for leaders. It's church planters. If right now... Some church gives us $50 million and says plant as many churches as you can in Japan with $50 million. I will currently plant zero more churches. In a few years from now, it might be different because we have some leaders who are ready, but we have to have more leaders. The main hurdle is not money. God always provides for this, but we need leaders who are capable of going and taking the gospel and planting a new church. So this next chapter of our ministry there in Japan is training leaders, church planters and elders. Like I said, one of the things that we're trying to do in Osaka this year is appoint local eldership. Uh, I'm, I'm meeting with, with two men there in Osaka trying to raise them up into guys who could shepherd a congregation. So uh, another, uh, a guy I just mentioned briefly yesterday is a, a guy named Yuma who was baptized at our church. Um, he, he, he's been coming since the very first Sunday in Osaka. And, and Yuma decided, you know, I really want to go into full-time ministry. And Yuma can preach. The guy can preach. Uh, like job security problems for me, good at preaching. Um, it's, it's wonderful. Um, and, and Yuma's a guy that we're trying to train up. He then, he, he was baptized at our church, and then three years into our church plan, there's a, a wonderful, bubbly uh, person that started coming, a woman named Sally. And Sally was then also baptized at our church. And then just a year and a half ago, uh, I was able to do their wedding. They met at our church. There were two new Christians. They got married. And they got married in this park in Osaka. It's a long, skinny park. If you look at it on Google Maps, you're going to see this long stretch of land in the middle of the city because it used to be an airstrip. So here's a redemption story for you. Post-airstrip becomes site of Christian weddings. Um, and she is our children's director at the church. And the two of them are doing ministry together. Um, and he wants to join full-time ministry uh, with us. And he'll start in April 1. It will be his first, his first day on the job as he grows into a worker. Um, 
I don't know if this is like super taboo, but I'm doing it anyway. You can support Yuma <laughs> uh, on our website. You go to mustardseed.network. He needs monthly support. You could actually click on Osaka and donate to help him be a full-time worker in his home city of Osaka. But there's other cities in Japan, like Fukuoka of 5 million people, the fastest growing city in Japan, Hiroshima of 1 million people, Sendai, 1 million people, Sapporo, 1.9 million people, Tokyo, 37 million people, the largest city in the history of the world, Tokyo. We need more church plants in Japan. In order to plant more churches, we have to have more leaders, and we have to figure out how to train leaders in a place where there is no Ozark. It's a wonderful blessing that you guys get to come and train here, and we have to figure out how to do it over there. We want to do all of this for the sake of Christ's name among the nations. So, just a few moments ago, uh, you might have heard I had a little alarm go off on my phone at 9.38. It goes off every single day because I want to train up leaders. I want to raise up leaders, and one of the most practical things that I can do to train up Christian workers is to ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his harvest. And uh, if, you, if you teach uh, Matthew, and you're sitting right there, you probably already know what 938 signi- signi- <laughs> signifies. Uh, Matthew 938 is where Jesus says that. He says, pray and ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. I don't want you to all disrupt your classes at 9.38 every day, but if you'd like to set a little alarm for 9.38 and join me in praying for workers and praying for leaders to be sent out into the harvest, 9.38 p.m., problem solving, right there. 9.38 p.m., and pray for workers. That's, that's the biggest thing that we need, is we need more people who can go and, and join us uh, in that mission. I want to close um, by once again praying and, and also just giving you the thought to say, you know, I've talked about what we're doing in Japan. Um, before we were doing it in Japan, uh, <laughs> there wasn't a mustard seed group there. I, I, I wonder where God will put you. There, there could be someone in this room who says, you know, Thailand is just where I'm going. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm headed to post-Christian Europe. I'm, I'm headed to Bangladesh. I, I want to go do this uh, somewhere. I don't, I don't know where. Uh, I'm going to pick one of those 1,300 unengaged people groups, and that's where I'm headed. And when you go, proclaim the gospel to make disciples and gather them into churches and establish healthy church plants. Will you guys pray with me? This is Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is your steadfast love towards us. And your faithfulness, O Lord, endures forever. Praise the Lord. Father, we ask that all nations will praise you. We pray that there will be more healthy church plants in Japan and all over the world. We pray for more workers, raise up workers and send them out into the harvest. Raise up people who can train workers. I pray for elders in Osaka and Nagoya and Kyoto and Kobe, and I pray that you'll help us to plant more churches there. And I pray that you will send these students out with the gospel in their mouths, ready to nurture and shepherd local congregations, Father. We ask all this so that you will be praised among all nations. In the name of Jesus we ask. Amen.